the strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm going with the force of forces with me. Somewhere. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Kybercast. Uh, with me, as always, my good friend Michael Diaz. What up, yo? <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited for this week. We're going to talk Spider Man Far From Home. We're actually on time for real news this time. And it's really exciting to uh, be able to talk about something almost in real time, or at least happening in the current universe. Um, Michael and we're I. Timely. Oh, we're timely. We're trying. Timely, timely comics, just like that. I'm super excited to talk about this. It's fresh in my mind. Um, I saw it last night. Michael, you saw it a couple days ago. I don't have a real beginning about how to talk about this. So I'm going to just kind of jump right in and kind of give a five second thought process for me. I, I thought it was extremely fun. I thought it was really, really good. I thought it was a great departure from Endgame and the feeling that I got from Endgame, you know, which was a, a lot of feelings. Obviously, we talked about it, that in a prior podcast, but I thought Spider-Man Far From Home took it in a really good direction. But what was your initial thoughts? I agree with you. I mean, let's face it, Endgame uh, was the culmination of the last 10, 11 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So... It ended on kind of a downer. I mean, we lost, you know, spoiler alerts, by the way, people. So if you haven't seen Endgame, if you haven't seen Far From Home, total 100% spoilers. So that to say, uh, I mean, obviously we lost Cap, kind of, sort of, but we lost Black Widow. We lost, um, obviously, Tony Stark. So Endgame really ended on a downer. So this was a little bit, it was more upbeat, a little bit more comedy, but it was a nice capstone to the phase three of the MCU. Yep. I want to finish the podcast with your list. Cause I think that is something that's pretty interesting. I kind of want to dive into the film itself. First of all, what was nice about it and, or more than nice, what I thought was really thoughtful is that Iron Man and Tony Stark played a really heavy role in this without him being there. I mean, he was the overarching cloud, so to speak for this film. Did you get that feeling? He, yeah, oh, definitely. He was the uh, dead Obi Wan to Peter Parker's Luke. Mm-hmm. That's a good analogy. Thank you. Um, I mean, it's, it's just like you said. He he was a cloud. He was a presence. I'm actually surprised. I I, I knew we wouldn't see uh, Robert Downey Jr. in the movie because there are no hints or suggestions that he was actually going to appear at all. I mean, yeah, you saw him, but it was in flashbacks to previous films so they used that right. stock footage i i'm actually a little surprised that when peter parker threw edith on that we didn't hear tony's voice saying your goodbye of some sort yep i think i agree with you i'm glad they didn't because i think everybody expected that and we didn't get it he's gone he's gone right we have to deal with that i mean yep. we have to deal with, with with every corner of the earth there's a painting or graffiti or something about him everywhere that Peter looked like he could not escape Tony. Well, no, I mean, and the response, in many, yeah, 
And in many ways, Tony was the savior of the earth. Yes, it was all the Avengers, but he's the one that paid the ultimate price. So he's being heralded, not entirely like a messiah, but he's definitely a martyr of some sort. Of course, yeah. I do like how they began it in a fun way of like the school news. The in memoriam. I mean, there was a great humor to this film that not, not comedy. Like I don't want, this is not a comedy, but there was levity and humor that was needed. And I thought, and they've kind of done that with Spider-Man in general. And I really like the way they've handled Spider-Man in the new Marvel film universe. You know, they're not leaning back on all the old comics. They're changing a few things that are, Obviously, origin we never really had to deal with, which was smart. Um, we've seen it enough. Um, but I think that the way they're handling this in general has been really great. I agree. And to your point, um, whereas Endgame was obviously the end of it was the funeral, this was like the wake at the end of a funeral. I mean, it wasn't hilarious. It was respectful. It was reverential. It threw back to Tony a lot. But there were a lot of laughs too, just kind of like you get at a wake when you're saying goodbye to someone. You want to remember the happy time. So the the whole film had a very wake feeling to it, if if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, you feel a lot of it when you see happy. You know, when he comes around, you're like, oh, yeah. 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 Which Jen, John Favreau, I mean, give him credit. He did, he did a lot with happy. I mean, he, he's perfect at happy. I mean, he doesn't have to come back and do this. I mean... Yeah, he's no. been an actor for you know twenty plus years, but I mean he's an in demand director. I mean, he's busy with the Lion King, and you know the Jungle Book before that. He's going to be busy with more live action Disney. You know, he's he's got the goods. He's a very in demand uh, you know producer and director now. He didn't have to come back and do this, and he did, and it was he's perfect at it. I will say, um, so I got to see this with my wife, um, who loves the Marvel universe. Me going into the film, I know who Mysterio is, right? At least what I believe him to be. It's a little different the way they brought him into this film, but the idea is the same. I knew he yes. was not a good guy, right? Michelle was oh, total. Yeah. Michelle was totally like, Oh, that really threw me. And I'm like, well, it's, unf- it's either fortunate or unfortunate for fans. You know that he's not the good guy. Oh, I was waiting just for the reveal. I knew it was coming. And when he took the glasses, I knew that was going to be it. When I was oh, yeah, everybody, everybody, yeah. I mean, like, this is it. This is where we find out he is not who he says he is. But yeah, I knew from the first trailer. I mean, I was like, "Ooh, who's this new guy? He's kind of like Iron Man and Thor. I'm like, he's the bad guy. I mean, come on. It's Mysterio. Everyone should know that. But everyone does know that. So you're right. Knowing it was it was fun being a fan because you knew who the bad guy was. But And it's hard not to spoil that for people because, like, your wife, right. she had no idea. So she was actually surprised where I was like, I'm just waiting for it to happen. Yep. I, you know what's interesting when he said when he gave him the glasses? When he put them on, he felt a little bit like Tony Stark, right? Like just a little bit, the way he looked. Uh, uh, you know, he could have oh, yeah. been a good – it was a nice way of styling him up. And and I do like the way they brought Mysterio in as like Tony's fired people, right? It's like people getting back at the company, which is a very – blue collary kind of thing to do or like you know take this job and shove it kind of thing i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take the company down uh so that was it was a nice take uh, on on that yeah but let's let's look at for a second how many of the bad guys that we've seen now in the marvel universe 
are kind of tied back to Tony. I mean, you got Whiplash, obviously, from Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. But now you have this whole group. Uh, what about Ultron? He literally, literally built Ultron. You know? Well, yes, so, he did. And But we got to give a little, you know, um, to, to uh, Banner, you know, was part of that, too. Oh, I understand. But, I mean, I, I think you can, I mean, Tony has, a lot of what Tony has done has kind of also backfired on him. And that's why we mm-hmm. see, I mean, even even the Ten Rings, the Mandarin, you know, right. that, that goes back to, you know, it's Iron Man 1 and then Iron Man 3. So just some things to throw out there that, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of like, um, not, not to go to a different universe, but I am. Uh, in Batman Begins, you know, Batman shows up and um, Commissioner Gordon makes a whole reference about, you know, we... You know, the police get bulletproof vests, the bad guys get armor-piercing bullets. You know, you show up, and then he showed that card from the Joker. So it's going to happen. It escalates. So anything Tony has done for good, there's going to be an equal and opposite reaction. We've seen that all through the Marvel Universe. Every universe, I will say this, and only this for this podcast, darkness rises and the light to meet it. That is my Star Wars reference for this this podcast. Um, Wow, very well done. But I think... I think that, though, I just like the way they brought it into the universe. Like it wasn't just people that decided to do this, and and I do like the overarching thing of people will believe anything they see now or anything they see on the news. And this whole idea of we've got deep fakes out there, we've got a lot of digital altering of sounds, video, commentary, news. We can't trust anything anymore. And there was a nice commentary about that all the way up until the end where the news that was given in Times Square, you know, at the end of the, the end of the first credits, uh, not to jump throughout the movie, but this whole theme of what to believe I thought was fantastic. Oh yeah. You don't know what's real and what's not. And we see that, like you said, through the end credits, through the first uh, stinger, not stinger, post credit scene, the second post credit scene. The whole movie is about subterfuge. What's going on? What's real? And you get hints of that even with, um, what, Happy and May's relationship. Is it or isn't it? Right. But it's a mirror of what's happening to us right now in culture. That's what I liked about it. Oh, yeah. And nothing, nothing was better. I mean, do we want to talk about the cameo at the end or are we going to save that? We'll save it for now. All right, we'll um, save. We'll come back to that and put a pin in it. Let's 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 go to the obvious space. Um, Tom Holland. I just love the Spider Man. I love the way he he has created this character. I like the way. Now, to be fair, there's been different directors, right? This set of directors have taken it to a place where there's he feels like he's his age, and he you know the the not being so sure of himself and those kind of thing, not too moody either, you know, and, and I like where it's at right now. That's just not to disparage the other two actors that played Spider-Man, you know, with Toby and, and, um, oh my Andrew gosh, Garfield. Andrew Garfield, you know, cause they, they were both directed in a way that was for those movies. And I thought they were both great as well. I just like the way that this, the culmination of the way Tom Holland plays him, the way he's directed and the stories around this particular Spider-Man. I love where it's at. 
I will always love, and I'm not going to go to your list yet, but I will always love the first Sam Raimi one because that kicked off a lot of things that we talked about a long time ago. But I just, I just, what's your take of where this Spider-Man is? Not, I'm not telling, asking you to um, compare actors or anything about this particular way he's written and done. What, what do you feel about him? See, you make it hard not to argue with you because I want to right now because you said you liked the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man and I, I'm hard, having a hard time letting that go. I was not a fan. So I'll let, I'll let that lie. What I like about this Tom Holland is that, first off, he's probably the Spider-Man that's closest in age to the actual age of Spider-Man, at least mm-hmm. when the first movie came out. Um, right. Obviously, he's getting older, and it takes you know a couple years between movies. It's, he's going to get old pretty quickly. But as of right now, he's still pretty dang close to the age of what Spider-Man is, and I like that. He, he looks youthful. And I love that, um, you know, he's got a history in gymnastics. So a lot of the scenes and flips and stuff, he's actually doing himself. I mean, let's, let's, you know, tip our hat to practical effects and actual stunt work and stuff. Cause when it's real, right. it does look better. I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. CGI and special effects have gotten fantastic. It's hard to tell what's real and what's not, but the practical effects or the practical, the actual doing some of the stunts. It just makes it that much better. So um, I'm probably straying a little bit from what you wanted as an answer. Well, I guess what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that this particular version of Spider-Man, he's dorky, but he's not a victim, Um, which I think the first Spider-Man, he was a victim. Right. And, but that's the way it it was directed. I'm not picking on the actors here. Like, you know, Andrew, Andrew was like, put in a position they directed that particular character of spider-man to be a little bit darker and somebody that has in much more internal strife of who he is with himself maybe even deals with the loss of uncle ben in a more realistic way than any of the other spider-man right tom holland you don't really know you, you don't get that sense of loss that 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 andrew had you know andrew garfield's that there was a significant loss of uncle ben and the blame that he felt from Aunt May in those it was a lot harder, right? There was a, you could feel that loss and that responsibility. You don't get that oh, this time, Holland, but he's, that he hasn't really suffered any problems yet, right? So as far as we know, that Uncle Ben for him never died the way he did in the other ones, right? We don't know. I have to believe he did, but you're right. We don't know because they've never actually addressed it, which was fine. As you referenced earlier, we don't need another Spider-Man origin. So I love that no. we're just kind of jumping in. And I do love the connection to Tony Stark and the Avengers and yada, yada, yada. But I I like the Spider-Man because you're right. He's not too dark and he is geeky, but you're right. He's not bullied per se. Yeah, Flash Thompson doesn't get along with him and Flash puts him down. But Spider-Man is just pretty much a lovable geeky kid who just wants to be a high school student. And Tom yeah. Holland plays that perfectly. So... Let's talk about the other obvious character, and 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 that's MJ. I'm digging the way they're bringing MJ into this one too. Really smart, but like this kind of darker, or likes things that are darker a little bit. You know, these are the kind of girls that would interest me when I was in school too. Right, these kind of sarcastic, <laughs> you know, type. Of, like, I think she's great. Yeah. Man. It's a, it's an interesting take on on MJ. Like I'm so obviously I'm a bit older. I I do not know the work of uh, Zendaya very well. I know the 
my girls have known her since forever because she's been around as a teen actress for a while. Um, yeah, I have no idea who she is until this. So Right. She was famous on her own right for, I don't know if it was a Disney show or Nickelodeon show. doesn't matter. She was a, you know, a, a kid star. And so I've only ever been exposed to her acting through this, through homecoming and through this. And I got to say, she's nailing it. She's perfect. I mean, yeah. I've, I've gone back and seen some of her other stuff, which is also obviously very, very saccharine, very Disney, Nickelodeon, whatever it is. And she did that well for what it is. But this character is such a departure from any of that previous stuff. And she's, she really gets the vulnerability down well, but also mm -hmm. the intelligence and just, I don't know the way she acts her and Tom Holland. I know they're dating in real life, but they're oh, chemistry. oh yeah. Yeah. Their chemistry is perfect. I mean, yeah, they both look yeah. awkward. They both, they look like how you imagine teenage love, teenage relationships feeling. And it's great. Yeah. It's really, really good. I, th I think that's what the sums up the, the feeling of the entire movie though, is the way that they bring this together. It's, it's like watching an, an updated version of like family ties or something, you know, <laughs> like he's like, he's like Alex Keaton in a way, you know, which is, a uh, uh, I don't know if anybody else will get that listening to this podcast, but, uh, I, I find a little bit of that, you know, cause Alex was kind of like this kind of jumpy kid, but it's super smart and, you know, awkward. And, um, so I, 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 I feel like there's a lot of that in there, or I'm just bringing that from my own life to that story. Maybe I'm full of shit. I don't know. No, no, I, I see that analogy. I see it. You're not, you're not alone. We're the same generation. I get your references. Now, if someone younger is listening to this, maybe not. But you're right. I, I do get that. He's 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 not. He, he is. He does have a lot of that lovability of, like you said, the Alex P. Keaton. I, I, it's good. I I couldn't be happier with Tom Holland and Zendaya or Zendaya, however you say her name. Yeah. The whole cast, really. So, what do you think of Mysterio? How did you like that? Because you, now you might have to school me. I don't know the actual origins of Mysterio. I know it from the cartoon and some of the comics. I knew he was an illusionist, um, but I don't know the, if he was. Was he part of the Sinister Six? Yes, he is. Okay. Yes. So maybe you can give me and maybe the rest of the uh, our audience a little history of Mysterio. Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head. He, he was an illusionist. I mean, he tried to use that stuff. His you know illusions to pull off crimes. I, I don't remember. I, I, I have to admit I'm a little rusty on this. I don't remember exactly where he started his illusion making. I, I think I get him and the chameleon uh, crossed up sometimes. Cause I think the chameleon is a character that um, I think he got his start doing special effects on movies and whatnot. So I want to say there's something to do with that, with Mysterio as well, but I, I don't want to be wrong. So obviously that's not his origin in this film. And I like that change. But, right. um, uh, no, I take that back. Uh, he was a special effects artist in Hollywood. That's where he got his start. So I, I was getting the two crossed again. So yeah. Uh, thank you, Wiki, for the quick update. I went right to the, Wiki I went to the Wikipedia page too. <laughs> a failed actor, but, but gifted special effects artist. There we go. Turned to villainy when his lofty Hollywood, Hollywood aspirations passed him by. So there we go. Um, he used his special effects knowledge in the comics to, commit crime and whatnot here. It's not that much different. I mean, if you think about it, yes, he was a hologram hologram uh, expert, which 
let's let's face it most you know there's still practical effects in hollywood but a lot of special effects now are done on computers so mm-hmm. is it really that far of a stretch not really no not at not all really he's doing 3d modeling that's what he's doing no so, I, I thought it was I, I thought it was really good. Did, did you like the way jake played him oh yeah jillian hall was fantastic in fact um again you know spoiler alerts i i know he's supposedly dead there's some argument that he is not dead um yeah they can't kill all the good villains man you gotta keep these the whole point is them coming back all the time that's that's the the yin and the yang they can't kill them all i'm not 100 percent convinced he's dead until someone like uh you know kevin feig feigy whatever says he's dead i don't believe it because there was so much subterfuge and smoke mirrors, smoke and mirrors in this that I would not be surprised if Mysterio came back, especially as a member of the Sinister Six. So is he really dead? I'm not 100% convinced. The Vulture, though, he's supposed to be part of the Sinister Six. He's in jail. Isn't that how he ends? Yep. yep. So he's in jail. We know Scorpion's in jail. We've got Mysterio. So you only need a few more members, uh, and we got the whole Sinister Six there. So... Um, so do do they go for number three with Doc Ock? Do they go there? You know, it's a tough call, and here's why. Um, I think the seminal Doc Ock was in Spider-Man 2 with the Raimi movies. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can top that. So it's hard. It's hard. I'm not saying you can't. I mean, people thought you couldn't top. You know, Jack Nicholas as the Joker, but then you had Keith Ledger, Heath Ledger, sorry, right. come in and knock it out of the park. Then, say what you will, Jared Leto's version of the Joker, it's different. And it's not, I don't think it's terrible. I don't um, I think it's a really good depiction of the Joker, but you're never going to beat the Heath Ledger Joker because that, to me, is now, that is the gold standard. So, that said, it they could top Doc Ock, you know, the uh, Sam Raimi, you know, um, one we saw before. I was trying mm-hmm. to think who played him. Um, Alfred Molina. Think, I don't yep. know I'm saying thank you. I remember myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus was fantastic. I don't know that they can top it. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll throw him in there because the Sinister Six is one of Spider-Man's biggest, you know, biggest group of foes. So. Why wouldn't they try for it? Well, the nice thing about Spider-Man's villains, which are a little bit better created, because each villain, you can understand their point of view, right? That's that's what makes a good villain, that, they, that they're convicted in their thoughts, even if they're the wrong thoughts, they're convicted, right? So Doc Ock, in Spider-Man 2 and, and other things, he was convicted in that, in that stuff, and, and although it changed him... Um, but you can understand it, right? And where he wanted to go. Um, you can see where the power corrupts. Absolutely. But, but I think that's what makes it interesting about Spider-Man. Now I would love for them to go to get the green goblin, right? No one's gotten that right yet. Like that's what I want to see. That's his Joker, right? I mean, that is, I'd love for them to try and I, I don't know how they can do it. I mean, the, the comic book character, I mean, he's green and he's a goblin, but, um, Man, that would be great if they can figure that out. Really, you didn't like the Raimi version, then? You didn't like? I didn't like that. I didn't like that mask at all. I thought that was that was one thing I didn't like about it. Um, I thought, you know, it just didn't. It, it, if you watch it now, 
it's way more campy than you than I remember it. Um, basically, because of what's happened over the years of what's you know, I think it's a great movie. It's the best, I love Sam Raimi. Hell, he's Michigan's own. Um, it's a great film. Uh, but that that particular villain didn't didn't move me in that even when I saw it. It was more about like seeing the cool Spider Man and Toby was great. So which which version of uh, Green Goblin do they go for? Do they go for the one in the mask and the purple and uh, the thing, or do they go with the Ultimate Universe version where he's actually a monster like Goblin? I don't know that. Like I don't know. Um, that's um, I guess I need your your thoughts there. I, I want them to make a character that's actually scary. Well, that's do, what I want. We're going to diverge just a second here, but have you seen Into the Spider Verse? Yes. Okay, the Green Goblin there—that's actually a giant, you know, a monster. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the Green Goblin that came from the Ultimate Universe, and that's kind of the current Green Goblin version. Okay. Um, but you know, they, every so many years, Norman Osborn comes back and is the Green Goblin again. So who's to say? Well, if they go to Sinister Six, he's part of that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's started by that by Oscorp, so they got to bring him in. I think. But I think he's going to be more humanoid, I would assume. I don't know. Which is fine. Which is fine. I mean, there have been many versions of the Sinister Six. I mean, the original, I think we had a... Uh, actually, the original Sinister Six did not include Green Goblin. It was uh, Dr. Octopus, Electro, Craven, Mysterio, Sandman, and Vulture. Oh, Okay. So there you go. All right. So they don't. Norman Osborn has been a member of the Sinister Six in subsequent versions. I'm just saying. So it's possible. Do you know what would be interesting to me too? And this is for our Marvel friends that really liked, you know, Daredevil. Man, if Vincent D'Onofrio came in as Kingpin. He's made uh, reference that he would love to do that. That would be so cool. Well, let's face it. The Netflix, the Netflix shows are gone. They're dead. But yep. Marvel still owns those characters and those rights. And if they want to help push and launch, you know, the Disney, you know, the show showing up on Disney Plus, why not throw it in off for you on there? He was perfect as the Kingpin. Bring him in there. Then that is the best villain um, character depiction that I've seen in Marvel. That that Daredevil to me is one of the best series I've ever watched. Yes, he was perfect as Daredevil, and or not Daredevil, yeah, as uh, Kingpin. Perfect. So. Yeah. Why not? And then you know what? Then it also is a bridge into Daredevil's world to kind of show that these, I mean, they both, Spider-Man and Daredevil both operate out of New York. Why not? Yep. Absolutely. So let's not dive too far there. But I think, let's let's get into the movie some more. Let's get into this. So I do like the plot of, you know, jumping around Europe, the kids' European vacation, which is fun. You had that, the comedy breaks of the, of, you know, the class going here and there and, you know getting upgraded, so to speak, and all the fun things that happen uh, with them, the hilarity and hijinks. Where do you think this story did? What do you think this story did for the universe moving forward? Did it bookend the last thing or did it be, it, or do you think it started a new thing? The MCU? Yes. It, it, I, I 100% believe that as far as the MCU goes, it's a great capstone. It's a great bookend, if you want to put it that way. But it does extend the Spider-Man story, so I, I like it. It, it. it accomplishes both, in my in my opinion. So, should we go to the scrolls? I mean, Let's what, talk what about did that? 
what did that mean? Did it mean anything or was it just a way to have a funny joke at the end while, while Nick Fury was on vacation? Is that just a joke? Is it just a joke or, or are we going to be invaded now? Here's the thing. I don't think that Feige or Feige, I can't, I can't remember how to say his name, but I don't think he, they do anything on accident. Nothing is just put out there and not touched upon later. So it definitely sets up at some point. Um, I mean, I know right now the Skrulls are refugees and they're quote unquote good guys in the MCU, but you know, a secret invasion has happened in the comic version where the Skrulls took the place of several heroes uh, to try and infiltrate and begin an invasion of earth. Well, we get a, basically a foreshadowing of that here. Yes, they're doing it for good reasons, but now it's in the audience's mind that anyone could be a scroll. Anyone could be right. I mean, we saw that in Captain Marvel, but even more so now here. I mean, and if you look, there are a couple times where things are given away that makes this movie much more rewatchable because apparently there's a scene where Maria Hill refers to Nick Fury um, as Nick instead of Colonel or whatever. And or as I want Fury. to see Right. So I want to see that. I want to go back and rewatch the movie because there's also a scene somewhere apparently where, uh, you know, Mysterio makes reference to our world instead of saying your world because he's not really from another uh, earth. He's not from the multiverse. So there's mistakes here that you can go back and watch and look and see where they put the little foreshadowing, where they put the little, hey, this is making a nod to what's going to happen later. So that to say, I think that the scrolls were put there on purpose. And I think we are going to see something in the future in the Marvel universe that incorporates the scrolls, possibly secret invasion, something along those lines. So do you think that there's also going to be a multiverse or was that just a joke reference for, for him to bolster his story? Well, now, now we're going to get into some really deep geek territory here. So as a nice nod to comic book fans, Mysterio did refer to the main MCU as the 616 universe, which that's true in the comics. The comic book version, the main universe in the comics is the Marvel 616 universe. However, so basically Grand Rapids area code. Holla. Yeah, not right, right. Holla. <laughs> Represent West Side. That's right. <laughs> so, the thing is, the nitpicky, super geeky people, like myself, know that the Marvel Cinematic Universe exists within the multiverse with the Marvel Comic Universe. The Marvel Comic Universe is 616. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is 19999. That's the, that's the Marvel Universe. So, he got it wrong? Or did he? Or are they going to refer to the Marvel Universe as 616? Because they've they've had they've had other 616 references throughout the different films. Now oh, I didn't pay that, any attention. How did you? I didn't know that at all. Yep, just a couple. But this was obviously the most obvious one. Obviously the most obvious. Hello, um, I need to. It's like I just learned English. <laughs> it's okay. Um. So here's what I think. Obviously, no. Mysterio is not from the multiverse. We know that. That's we not know that. true. Right. But again, Marvel doesn't do anything on accident. They've now established that there's a possibility for the multiverse, which they already referenced in Endgame, 
when um, the ancient one said, if you don't bring those stones back right to the exact point in time and put it back how it was, you're going to create divergent timelines and alter alternate realities. Well, Steve Rogers staying in the past and not returning, that could very well have created multiple realities. So my point is, yes, we know Mysterio is not from the multiverse. That said, I still think there is a multiverse. Interesting. Yeah, I have no argument there. I mean, they can do anything they want at this point. There's there's open threads that they can pull anything through. So how about everybody in our theater clapped seeing J. Jonah Jameson as J. Oh my God. It's, it's, it was perfect, right? Yelled. I yelled and said, oh my God. I was so happy. So happy. That was the best cameo other than Stan Lee in, you know, some of the early Marvel films and even some of the later ones. That was by far my favorite cameo. Uh, is it a cameo or is it a beginning? I assume he'll play well, him if they bring, I mean. Until, until we see him more, it's a cameo. But for right now, repainting J. Jonah Jameson, Jameson instead of, you know, editor of the Daily Bugle newspaper, instead of making him an Alex Jones-esque character mm-hmm. at the dailybugle.net. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. So smart. brilliant. I love they didn't give him the brush cut, the you know, the brush cut that J. Jonah Jameson usually has, and that's fine because this is a different universe. This is not the Raimi universe, you know, where he looks like the one from the comics. I love that they kept him bald, but he has the same cantankerous attitude and the idea that Spider Man is a threat and a menace. And it's it's more relatable. It's more it's more now. It's more timely because Let's face it, conspiracy theories and jacked up websites like Alex Jones and all that stuff and InfoWars, that's where the craziness comes from now. So it makes more sense to have Jane Jonah Jameson like that kind of character instead of editor of a major newspaper. It's brilliant and it works perfectly. I think so too. I think it's perfect. I also think it was a nice hint because when right before that happened, before he picked up Mary Jane, Spider-Man was flipping around the city taking selfies, right? Taking pictures. I'm like, oh, is he going to sell that to the Daily Bugle? Like that was like, oh, is he going to become that photographer? And exactly. Money, and I think, I mean? yeah. Exactly. And I think that's what they wanted you to think. It's it's a nice it's a nice bait and switch, which this whole movie was about. So yeah, taking the selfies, perfect. I don't think it's bait and switch. I think he can still sell the images of Spider-Man and be the photographer for the Bugle or whoever wants to buy them online. You know what I mean? I think he could still be part could still of his do way that. of making money. They could still do that, but I think they've established that this Spider-Man is far more intelligent and can make money other ways. I mean, he's basically the heir to the Iron Man throne at this point. I mean, they yeah, make an allusion to that. Like when, when he puts that you know holographic piece on and Happy looks at him, it's like, that is very Tony-esque. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they, they could go there. I, I, I hope they don't take away too much of what Spider-Man was further down. Like, I, again... The loss of Uncle Ben's a big deal for this one. It's the loss of Uncle Tony, because there's some there's some crucial things I think to the Spider-Man character that I don't want them to get too far from. But at the end of the day, I love where it's at. I, I love the way this character is played, and it's in a really good spot. I agree, hundred percent. So let's uh, let's get to your list, and we can end on that. Uh, tell our our wonderful listeners your list of Spider-Man movies. Best to worst. Best to worst. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll, I, we're, we're already, you know, several minutes into our podcast, so I won't spend a lot of time on these. But 
real quick, in my opinion, you're never, ever going to beat the Alfred Molina, Dr. Octopus, the, the depth, the drama, the heartbreak, all of that was great as such, because it was such a powerful moving performance. In my mind, the best Spider-Man movie still is the Sam Raimi Spider-Man two. This is followed in my opinion by Spider-Man, the first Sam Raimi film, because I remember going to see that when it first came out, coming out of the theater and my mind was blown. I was like, that is what comic book movies should be like, you know, forget the 2000 X-Men movie. That was a hint. And then this, when this came out, when Spider-Man came out, yes, that's what a comic book movie should be. And I was dazzled and wondered, and I loved it. So number three, in my opinion, is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I know it's a newer film. I know it just came out this uh, last year. Um, it's, it's, it's great. It's great. And it's, it brings in aspects of Spider-Man that I've loved, including, you know, the various versions of Peter Parker, but also Miles Morales and my personal favorite, which is Spider-Gwen, the Gwen Stacy Spider-Woman. So mm-hmm. it was great. So now I put this Spider-Man Far From Home as the fourth best Spider-Man movie. Um, I think I enjoyed it personally more than I enjoyed Homecoming, which I put at fifth. And then then we can just we can talk about the rest, which is number six, Amazing Spider-Man. It was all right. It wasn't terrible, but did we really need it? And then Amazing Spider-Man 2, well, no. Now, some people argue that maybe Amazing Spider-Man 2 was the worst of the Spider-Man films. Uh, I'm sorry, maybe I just can't get the bad taste of dancing emo Spider-Man out of my mind, but that puts Spider-Man 3 at 8 in dead last place, in my opinion. Right. Um, I, I don't I, – I, I get all of your logic, and I, I can't really argue a lot of it. I will say a few things. Um, I'd probably put the Raimi Spider-Man, the original one, first because it's kind of like Star Wars for me. If you don't have that one, you're not getting the second one. Um, I get that argument, but just like Star Wars, I put Empire Strikes Back as my favorite. Right. So, and, and I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. Your, your right. logic is sound. Right. And that logic carries over for me for both from Star Wars to Spider-Man. So it's like I give them because to do it right the first time is harder because <laughs> if you don't get it right the first time, you ain't getting the other one. So I, I respect that. I get that. So I, I would flop your first ones. I don't know where I've put Spider-Verse. I like it, but I, I get drawn more into the, the live action um, and I love animation. So I'm, I'm right where you are with it. I, I, I don't know if it's third or fourth. You know, I am flipping back and forth. I have to watch it again, I think. Uh, but I, I liked um, Homecoming a lot. I liked because Michael Keaton, I just love Michael Keaton. And his, again, his villain, I get it. Like, again, it was just, I get his conviction. So I liked Homecoming and then Far From Home and then probably Spider-Verse and then the rest shake out pretty much like what you have uh, right there. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's splitting hairs with what you have. It's really not, I, I can't argue any, any where, where you're at. Uh, I just hope they keep this going. What I, what I did see, you know, what I did feel after watching uh, Far From Home is that I do still want more. I didn't feel that way watching the Amazing Spider-Man series. I didn't have that itch like I need to see more. I will give them credit though for for real stakes of, you know, 
Gwen getting killed. Right? Oh, yeah, but I mean, as a Spider-Man fan, we knew it was going to happen, but yeah. But they did it. I I give it to them. Right, they did it. They did it, and good for them. Um, There was, I mean, the the tough things about this, and I liked, what I liked, I liked the way the heavy responsibility felt for that particular Spider-Man. I dug that. I thought that was, it's hard to do. It's a hard thing to be, this, this hero. And they really, I think, shaped that pretty well with that. Um, so I got to give him credit for that. Uh, did I, I think the villains were bad. That's the problem with those movies. They just weren't right. They just didn't feel right. Exactly. In a comic book movie, oftentimes lives or dies by the quality of his villains. Mm-hmm. Except for Iron Man. Because that villain wasn't very good. Which one? Which Iron Man? The first one. Oh, yeah. Iron Man. I mean, uh, okay. I will say that. That said, a lot of the Marvel films are exceptions to that rule. Yeah. They don't have a lot of strong villains. They haven't. Loki's the best still, but. Oh, yeah. 100% the best. So with that, you know, I give this, I give Far From Home, I'm probably like around a 7.5 to an 8. I'm about right there. It's not end game status. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. But you know what? Here's the thing. I, I don't go into a Spider-Man movie looking for a lot of depth. Um, I, that's not to, you know, piss all over Spider-Man. I'm just saying I go into a Spider-Man movie. I want fun. I want, cause that's how the comic is or how it should be. Yes. They've covered their dark moments, but really what I want is a teenage Peter Parker who just wants to be a teen, but he can't help but not do the right thing. And because he has this power, has this great responsibility because of the great power, he keeps having to be Spider-Man. It's part of him. And that's part of his having to do right. And that's what I like about it. He's, he has to do right, but he still just wants to be a kid and live his life. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for a little fun entertainment. Couldn't say it better myself with that. I think, uh, we're coming to the end of this podcast. Uh, Anything else to say, Michael? I think it was a good movie, and I think you hit you, you hit the nail on the head with your last thoughts. Oh, well, thank you. Then I, I don't I won't ruin them by saying anything else. Then, <laughs> as always, man, it's it's a pleasure talking to you over this stuff. Um, we I'm gonna a shout out to Alan if you are listening, our our one listener, I think right now. We sure we have we, one. We would love to have you on the show and uh, and talk through some of these things. I I think you're itching to do it. So we're going to call you out live here on the podcast. Uh, hopefully you'll join us one day. Come to the dark side, Alan. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. Good talking All to right. you.